just a couple announcements. We had the relics of Our Lady over on the Marian Shrine today. Uh, the reliquary inside there was uh, prepared in 1545. It's about 100 years after the fall of Constantinople. Uh, 1443. I suspect the Crusaders got a hold of these relics from Constantinople and brought them west. And so we're fortunate to have them. Now, and also there is the hair of Our Lady. Uh, the relic is her, her, her garments, which are celebrated in our liturgy today, the deposit of the garments of Our Lady. It's from her censure. And uh, the, the other one is from scraping from the wall where Our Lady um, nourished the Christ child. So these are very precious relics. I read in the Catholic newspaper that didn't have any relics of the Blessed Mother. Well, that's not true. We do have them, but they're rare. I found these online and I bought them from Russia. So we have them here at the monastery. So at the end of liturgy, I'll sit down there in the chair and you come up and I'll bless each one of you with the relics of Our Lady. My homily today, of course, is about the gospel. And uh, it's put together, sort of. Different parts of the gospel are put together to make up this one pericope. But I won't go, to, I won't go into that process. Sometime I will I'll tell you about that. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about our Blessed Mother. Without our ladies, consent, there would be no incarnation of the Savior. But when the angel Gabriel came to her, she had Hail Mary, full of grace, Luke's Gospel. And Luke's Gospel, I think, is the Gospel of Mary. And I also suspect that Luke was taught by Mary about his, the life of our Savior. Now, Blessed uh, Virgin Mary, it was necessary for the Incarnation to have a human mother. He was already God, but he needed a human mother because he was to become the great high priest. He could not be a priest to us unless he was one of us. There's many, many things that surround our Lord that we don't look close at as we should. To understand him, appreciate him, and love him. So, 
our Blessed Lady conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit so that the child born of her would be considered God. But it also says in John that he, uh, the, the second person, the Word, the Holy Trinity, from all eternity, he agreed to this. And he was held in his mother's womb for nine months and born like all of us. And I think it must have been a very holy time when the Blessed Virgin Mary was carrying the, the Word of God inside of her. So probably we, did, we have in the Catholic Church the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. It does not deal with our Lord. It deals with Our Lady. Jock and Anna were her parents, but it was the most unusual happening because she was conceived and born immaculate. Immaculate and holy impression in, in preparation for her vocation in the Eastern Church, we say, she was the womb of God. She was so holy. We've always been taught that she followed the Lord during his public ministry. And her first, his first, his first miracle at Cana, Galilee, <clears throat> was at the request of the lady, our blessed lady, saying to the serving people, do what he tells you, and he, they brought the water jars, and he turned it into wine. There's a couple of things going on here. Number one, it's a prefigurement of the Eucharist. Number two, it's a sanctification of marriage, which then on in the church would be considered a sacrament. And the third thing was the intercession of the Mother of God was demonstrated to us because he had said, my hour is not yet come. I know usually every new ordained priest, which is a magnificent thing in itself to be a priest, as soon as he's given the opportunity, <coughs> he makes his consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that heart that Jesus grew under in his own heart, and his heart and the heart of Mary were beating as one. In this consecration, 
the priest asked, and his heart too will beat in union with our Lord and our Lady that his priesthood will be holy and extraordinary. I told you Bishop Kurt, when he was talked to us last time, he's very busy now, he said to the priest, we're having a meeting, we thought we were going to, he was going to give some directions or something. He did not. He said one thing. He says to his priest, be holy. And of course, in the gospel tells us, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. In his sacrificing himself on the cross, the mystics tell us he gave forth great energies, divine energies. And in his resurrection, he deified all of us for deification, resurrection of his body becomes the primal source of sanctification for all of us. So, in Vatican II, they said at the last gospel or the last chapter there in that document that Mary was the mother of the church. Something we never said that before. We suspected it. But in giving birth to our Lord, who is the source of the church, she gave birth to all of us. Because each Christian has the life of God in them by the mediation of Christ. And these holy energies come from Christ. The life that's in Christ is in us. And we are Christians. I hope you can think about that and let it settle in. That the life that's in Christ that died on the cross and rose again is in us. In every sacrament we celebrate is always in the sign of the cross. Every building we build is in the sign of the cross. Every prayer we say, we say the sign of the cross. Calling to mind that I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. I am in him, and he is in, in, in us. That's a combination of St. Paul's teaching. You live now, but I live in thee. And of course, John's Gospel, which is most perfect Gospel. At the foot of the cross, Our Lady stood. And she suffered. The same suffering that Christ suffered on the cross. And through her suffering and motherhood, she become a participation in our redemption. 
the title co-redemptress was rejected by the church. Jesus is the only redemptor. But everyone who participates in his life is helping Christ in his work of redemption because Christ lives in him. And in Paul, I say again, I live not I, but Christ lives in me. How fitting that we celebrate today the disposition of her holy garments, especially the poyas, with which we have a little peace. How wonderful it is that we have this holy relic. You know that Jesus Christ, once you're baptized, you chrismated, is closer to you than anything else. Your soul dwells in your beautiful heart, and on the throne of your soul is the God, Jesus Christ, your Redeemer, your Brother, and your Sanctifier. Sometimes we don't treat ourselves very well. We have to realize who we are. We are part of the mystical body of Christ, Pius XII said. His famous encyclical of 1942, stressing this teaching that we are the body of Christ. The other way we become the body of Christ, even further, receiving the holy gifts in the Eucharist. And the Eucharist, or Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, the divinity, and they bring with them his energies. So, the Eucharist is eschatological. The life we receive in the Eucharist is already heaven on earth. So you're already in heaven. The natural life we receive is of this world. It's also the creative energies of God. So just like Christ, you have the creative energies that give you a body and sanctifying energies that make you a participator in the divine life. And you have a throne room in your heart. In that heart, there's another throne. And on it, that's your soul, and Jesus Christ is in that soul. I know you're not all theologians, but you're all mystics. And all of you are people of prayer, and you're holy. And that's the way God wants you to be. But not only like the, Our Lady, we, we adore her vestments that she wore, but we should adore our own body, keep it pure and holy, because it has a great future in the resurrection on the last day. 
But already the eschatological life has started. It's in us now. Especially at the celebration of the Eucharist. It's called the eschaton. I wish everybody knew this doctrine and could feel it in their heart so that we could fill our church with the beauty that is God in every Christian. Many Christians are without sacraments. I would not say they don't have the indwelling, but it's not the same as comes to us, the sacramental life. And the sacramental life gives us and nourishes our union in the mystical body of Christ. I know that children may not understand this today, but parents, you must try to encourage them. Unfortunately, these days, you take care of your, you educate your kids, that's pretty good. I say children, and you take care of their health, but you don't always take care of your health of their soul. And you have to tell them these things while they're young enough and innocent enough to accept them. So that it can affect their mind and their heart and their body. Because those children are the future of the church and your company in heaven. Sin is so rampant today Last week I was praying, I sort of got discouraged if anybody's going to make it. God has given us everything. Christ is the high priest. He promises all. He says we will be like gods in the heavenly kingdom because our great brother is God, Jesus Christ. And he throne, he's on his throne in heaven. He's amongst us in the sacraments and especially in our throne, the throne of our heart. St. Philip Neri and St. Ignatius of Antioch, they were great mystics. They were very conscious of the presence of God within them. And in both cases, uh, when they were cut up or whatever they did in those days, their hearts were huge. Now, people get an enlarged heart. I know that. That's a disease. But this is a mystical heart. They're treasured in the church as great relics of saints. The other thing I want to add now is one more point. You're not alone. I know there's many sinful people, but there's also many good people. And many extraordinary priests. So yes, we've had scandal in the church, but Pius X told us there will be scandal, he said, but there will be truth. And the truth is this, God has loved you. He glowed when he was on the cross, crucified 
with the energies, divine energies. And he gave them to us in the fruit of the Eucharist. And when Mary was at the foot of the cross in John 20 or 22, he let forth upon her a great effulgence of grace. And he said to John, Behold your mother. He said that to all of us, to have a healthy devotion and love for our Heavenly Mother, and to know that she prays for us still, because we are the children of Jesus Christ, his brothers and sisters. We are the children of the Father. And the Holy Spirit buzzes around us, sanctifying us, making us holy. So we should not put any obstacles in the way, but should say to God, Daksa Yahweh. Glory to your life, O God, which comes to us through the Incarnation and makes us participators of your heavenly liturgy on our way to the very throne of heaven. There'll be no pain, sorrow, or mourning, but only glory and life everlasting. Taksa Yahweh. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.